So um, we're living in interesting times, certainly. Um, and fair to say that um, living in times of a little bit of adversity. Now, adversity is something that we experience in lots of times, lots of different circumstances. But that now in the, uh, the midst of uh, sort of a global time of adversity, all the other disruptions that we normally face in life, they're just magnified all the more. And a common question, it's, it's a good question, and it, it's a question that we're pretty quick to ask during time of adversity, is, is where is God during the adversity? And so we're going to ask that question now as we uh, look at the passage of Scripture that we find ourselves uh, in this morning, Genesis chapter 39, as we make our way through the book of Genesis skipping around a little bit, um, but hitting many of the highlights, we come to this passage this morning. And we see in it a, 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 um, a description of uh, how God uses adversity in our lives. And so let's ask the question, where is God in adversity as we look at the verses that are in front of us today. We're going to be looking at a, a snippet from the life of Joseph. And um, in order to set this up, we need to, uh, we don't need to, but we're going to, we're going to do a little review, okay, of where we've been. And uh, then at the end, we're going to project a little bit further in, into the story. And, and we're going to look at some themes here that uh, show up in, Joseph's life and see if those themes might be things that God desires to work into the fabric of our lives as we walk with him. So there's some recurring themes in Joseph's life. You remember he's one of, um, one of 12 brothers and he, uh, he is um, part of this family of Abraham. Abraham had uh, Isaac, his son. Isaac had Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons, and Joseph was one of them. And one of the themes in this family is uh, that God was with them. God's presence is a theme that works its way through the book of Genesis and works its way through this story. Abraham, in Genesis 15, 1, uh, God says to Abraham, I'm your shield. That is, he's, he's with him. He protects him with Isaac. And I, in Genesis 26, 24, God says specifically, I am with you. And again, to Jacob, the son of Isaac, in, in chapter 28, verse 15, I am with you. God was present with this family. He was with them. And so we want to look for that theme as we look um, at this snippet from Joseph's life in, in chapter 39. There's another theme that works its way through this family, and that's the theme of uh, divine reversals. Divine reversal. Um, there, there's this theme of, of the younger sibling uh, being exalted above the older 
sibling. We see that in several places. We, we see it here in Joseph's life. He was the uh, first child of the favored wife of Jacob. And uh, we know that there were all kinds of dysfunction in that family just because the Bible said it happened didn't mean it was a good uh, arrangement. There was all kinds of dysfunction in this family and there were uh, several moms to those 12 kids. But Joseph was the first child of the favorite wife of Jacob and Joseph was the favorite child of Jacob. It says that in uh, chapter 37, verse 3. And um, so in, in this family that was blessed by God and God was present with them, there's all kinds of things that they did that, that weren't right. And just because God was with them and God was blessing them didn't mean that everything they did was okay and some of the stuff was definitely not okay. But even in that, God had a plan and God uh, worked this idea of reversal, of taking the lesser and making it the greater. Um, and he's going to do that in Joseph's life as well. And in, in this business of the divine reversal, of God exalting the lesser, there's this biblical idea, this biblical theme of election. We're not going to go deep into that, but uh, it's there. It's the idea of God choosing to put his favor on an individual or a group. So God is sovereign in this. So there's this reversal business. God's favor is given in an unexpected way. And then there's also this theme, theme of God's presence, of divine reversal. There's also this theme of spiritual attention of the characters in the story, of the members of the family, either uh, they, they either um, showed spiritual attention or inattention, but there was the opportunity to pay attention to what God was doing. And sometimes they did well, and sometimes they did poorly. We're going to uh, take a look here at how Joseph does in chapter 39, if he's paying attention, if he shows spiritual attention. But we do have this theme already in his life, back in chapter 37, that... Uh, he was a dreamer, and God spoke to him in dreams. And, and um, that, that whole business of God speaking to him brings up the, the fourth theme that we're going to look at, uh, and that is the theme of adversity. Because Joseph heard from God, and he, he, got, he had these dreams, and he shared them with others, it caused his brothers and even his parents to, uh, to feel a certain kind of way about him that wasn't that good. The theme of adversity works its way through this family. And if we remember back in uh, chapter 37, the brothers hated him so much that they, they, uh, they ambushed him and, and they threw him on a pit and when some... Slave traders came by, so a caravan came by. They sold him into slavery, and he went down to Egypt. God's presence, divine reversal, spiritual attention, and adversity are themes that we want to look at 
themes in the story in Genesis so far and themes that we want to look at now <clears throat> when we find ourselves at Genesis chapter 39. So we pick up the story here. Joseph been sold into slavery by his brothers and he finds himself as a slave in an Egyptian household in, in, the, uh, in the household of one of Pharaoh's officials. Let's take a look at Genesis 39, starting in verse 1. Now Joseph... had been taken down to Egypt, Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. And he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. And when the master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in the eyes, in his eyes, and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and trusted him, entrusted to his care everything he owned. And from the time he put him in charge of his household and all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar did, both in the house and in the field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Let's just stop right there and make a few observations. See some of these themes popping up that we've seen in Joseph's life and in his family's life, the family of Abraham's life, so far, first of all, we see this theme of God's presence. Notice, it says in several places here uh, that the Lord was with Joseph. It says it in verse 2, says it in verse 3, okay, and it weaves its way through this whole thing. God was with Joseph. Now, think about it. He had been thrown in a pit by his brothers, sold into slavery, couldn't have been a terribly comfortable trip across the desert down into Egypt. Slave market pick, picked up by this guy like, a, like a, somebody would uh, pick up a new car, you know, think of the uh, sold as property. Makes his way to this, to this man's house, but in, through all, in all this, and now he's a slave, the Lord was with him. In his adversity, God was there. But then notice also the theme of divine reversal, right? So he, he's, he went from the pit that his brothers threw him in, through that caravan down into Egypt, but now we start to see him rise in status. It, it says he found favor the, in, in the eyes of, of Potiphar. So that's a good thing, right? His, his situation is changing. He's still a slave, but he is prospering even in the adversity 
that he found himself in. And then notice also here that it's kind of implied, but it's certainly there, that Joseph is being attentive to uh, um, following the Lord and, and doing what is right as he is in this situation of slavery in Potiphar's household. Why would Potiphar put him in charge? Well, it must be that he saw that this, this slave, when he was given something to do, he did it well, right? And if he did it well, uh, he was given more responsibility, and he did that well. It wasn't like uh, you don't get the sense that he immediately was put in charge of everything. It, he, he earned that, and how did he earn it? By doing the right thing, even in his place of adversity. And, and then God blessed the household of the Egyptian because he put Joseph in charge. There's this implication that... Uh, Joseph's spiritual attention to what God wanted him to do made him a man of character and trustworthy so that his situation improved. God's presence, a divine reversal, his fortunes were changing for the better, and spiritual attention. There's a fourth theme that we mentioned earlier if you remember, that fourth theme is adversity. So let's continue reading because it's time for that to make its appearance. Pick up in the second part of verse 6. It says, Joseph was well-built and handsome. And after a while... His master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, Come to bed with me. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, My master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he is entrusted to my care. No one is greater in the house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you're his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. Stop right there for a moment. What we said was implied earlier is made very clear here. Joseph was paying spiritual attention to do the right thing. And um, he's, he's about to experience adversity for doing the right thing. If we uh, took time, we could go back in his family and see that uh, in the area of infidelity, the family didn't always have a good track record. There's all kinds of nasty stuff that went on in this family. But, but Joseph is doing the right thing. And um, he's paying spiritual attention to what God wants him to do. So let's just put these themes together that we've um, highlighted here. God was with him 
And Joseph recognized that. Do we recognize in our adversity, in a pit, getting dragged around through the desert, whatever our adversity looks like, sold into slavery, in our adversity, do we recognize that God is with us? Joseph paid attention. He recognized God was with him. And because he recognized God was with him, God caused him to prosper. Now, his prosperity is relative, right? Because when he was in his father's house, he was a whole lot better off than he was in Potiphar's house. And when he was in his father's house, he was a favorite son. He had cool clothes that his father gave him, right? That, that fancy uh, uh, coat that he gave him. And um, he doesn't have that kind of freedom. He doesn't have that kind of life now. But God is raising his, um, his favor in the adversity that he finds himself in. And we need to recognize that um, these are themes, these are not ironclad promises that are going to happen in our lives. If we, if, like it's a formula, if we do X, Y, and Z, then God will do his uh, certain things, like it's, like it's a formula. Um, but these things often happen. One follows after the other when we recognize God's presence. God's with us. Pay attention, do the right thing. God causes us to prosper. And that was certainly happening in this case, but in his situation where he recognized God's presence and God caused him to prosper because he was paying attention and doing the right thing, then there's this other reversal in the way that we don't like to see reversals happen. Let's continue Reading in verse 11, one day went into the house to attend to his duties and none of the household servants was inside. She caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out the door. Could you advance? Oh, there we go. I got it. Um, Verse 13, when he saw that he had left his cloak in her hand and had run out. Oh, when she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand and run out of the house, she called her household servants. Look, she said to him, this Hebrew has been brought to us to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. She kept the cloak beside her until her until his master came home and Then she told him this story. That Hebrew slave you brought brought us came to me to make sport of me, but as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. When his master heard the story, his wife told him, saying, this is how your slave treated me. He burned with anger. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. Adversity for doing right and the reversal happened in the way that uh, Joseph finds himself back in a pit, back in a bad situation, back in adversity, back in jail. And notice it happened because he was doing the right thing, right? 
He said, I won't sin against God. She told a story that was made up. He was framed and put in prison. So it's one thing, I, I find this to be the case, and just consider whether this is uh, true of you as well. It's one thing when bad things just happen, right? And we find ourselves in a situation, and especially when others are all going through it, like this pandemic thing. I mean, this is rough, and this is hard. We're all going through this together. It's one thing when bad things happen, and, and um, we say, okay, we just got to deal with this and, and take care of it and, and do what we have to do. I get what else are we going to do? That's one thing. It's another thing when we do the right thing and get falsely uh, um, charged for doing the wrong thing when doing the right thing causes adversity. That's just not fair. And we don't feel too good about that. I don't. Well, that's what Joseph was experiencing. And so what does Joseph do with his situation when adversity strikes again? Well, he remembers the themes that we've rehearsed, and he puts them into practice. He pays attention. So uh, I'm not able to advance the slide. Thank you. Um, second part of 20 says, but, but while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. Showed him kindness, granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison. He was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. Do we notice a pattern here? All, all, the, uh, all the themes are coming back uh, in place. Joseph is paying attention to the themes that God had worked into his life. The Lord was with him in that pit, in that jail, just like the Lord was with him when he was thrown in the pit by his brothers. The Lord was with him, and so Joseph paid attention, and God reversed his situation. He granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden, and implied, again, like we said earlier, implied in this is that Joseph's spiritual attention, his attentiveness to God's presence in his life and his attentiveness to following what God wanted him to do caused him to be a man of character, caused him to be trustworthy so that he was able to be put in charge of things there, small things at first, no doubt, and then more and more responsibility so that he was uh, able to receive more and more favor there in prison. Now, this is not a formula, again. It's not that this is a guarantee and that if we find ourselves in adversity, we just need to do a certain thing, certain few things, and then all of a sudden we're out of it. 
and then go through the pattern again. But these themes recur in our lives, and they're very common. If we pay attention to God's presence, when we're going through adversity, God causes his, his favor to shine on us. And very often that has an impact on those around us and causes our situation to improve with them as well. I'm not going to take the time to look at it, and I encourage you to, to read chapters 40 and 41, but this theme plays out again and again in those chapters as well. We find that Joseph um, uh, faces adversity again. He does a, a favor to two other prisoners, has to do with interpreting dreams, and, and uh, you, you know the story, I'm sure, and... Um, uh, one, one, of the, uh, one of the fellow prisoners who does well says that he's going to help Joseph out when he's restored to favor with Pharaoh and he forgets all about him and, it's, and Joseph is in jail for, for two more years because um, the person he helped wasn't willing to help him out. But Joseph doesn't despair and he continues to be faithful and pay attention to what God wants him to do. And then ultimately, the story goes, he's elevated uh, into the very court of Pharaoh and becomes uh, great in the kingdom. And not only is Joseph elevated, but Joseph is poised to do great good for the, for the uh, nation of Egypt, but also for the surrounding nations to include the promised land that his family is in, and ultimately, as we'll see later, he is able to save the life of his family, and through the work of God in his life, he's able to uh, see that the, the promises given to Abraham and his offspring are, are fulfilled because Joseph pays attention to God's presence and his work in his life when he's going through adversity. So let's, let's ask, does God want us to pay attention to, to these themes? Let me just close briefly with this. John 16, verse 33, Jesus says these words, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. Take heart, I've overcome the world. Jesus says, in this world, you'll have trouble. Anybody have a problem believing that statement? So uh, sometimes we have trouble believing things that God tells us, right? And we want to believe them, but we say, I don't know, God, I don't know. I don't have trouble believing this. In this world, you'll have trouble. We're to expect adversity. Jesus says he's overcome the world. But as his followers, we're to expect adversity. But Jesus also said in Matthew 28, verse 20, he said, I am with you always to the very end of the age. In our adversity, if the Bible is true, and I'm staking a whole lot on the fact that it is. I think you are too, right? The Bible is true. 
If Jesus' words can be believed, in our adversity, God is with us. Now, it doesn't mean that he immediately delivers us, right? Joseph spent some time in a hole or two, right? And we find ourselves in a hole a time or two. But in that hole, in that pit, God's word is true. God is with us. And remember I mentioned that idea of election, of God choosing to to make the lesser into something greater. We talked about it as divine reversal. In 1 Corinthians 1, verse 27, it says, God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose. That's that word, that's that election. That's that idea of God choosing. God choosing uh, the insignificant to do his significant work in the world. And this world's a mess, and in this world we'll have trouble. Adversity exists. Jesus said it, we know it's true. God is with us, and he chooses us to do his work, which, which turns things around in a miraculous way to bring, up, bring, bring about his work in this world that's filled with adversity. So I don't know about you when you were a kid. I know when I was a kid, time I kind of dreaded on the playground is a group of kids who are going to play dodgeball or something and and the two big strong uh, athletic kids were chosen or the popular kids were chosen to be the leaders and then they had to pick sides. I'm waiting to be chosen, right? Very often the last one chosen, ah, we'll take them, right? Well, why was that? Because I wasn't very good at dodgeball. That's why. I wasn't the athletic popular kid. But it's that very unpopular, unathletic kid that God chooses first. Right? Takes the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God picked you. God picked me. He chooses us. If we're paying attention, if we are focused on what God wants to do, in this world of adversity, we recognize he's with us and that he's chosen us to do something about the situation we find ourselves in. Because It's not because we're good. We're not. It's because God chose us and he wants to work through us. So Colossians 3, 1 and 2 says, Since then you've been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. We need to pay attention to what God wants to do through us. I don't know about you. In a pit, I kind of focus on the pit, right? It's hard not to. It's a pit. It's dark, it's cold, it's miserable. However, what God's telling us is to set our mind on things above. Look up and recognize that in the pit, God is with us. 
Pits are always going to be there. We're going to find ourselves in them, and God's going to work while we're in there, and he might take us out, he might not, but he's got work for us to do. So if you're in a pit, it's going to be there. We're going to find ourselves there. Uh, God is with us in the pit. And so look for what he chooses for us to do. He, his favor is upon us even in the pit. And if we do that thing, very often God brings us out of the pit. But whether he brings us out or not, he's there with us and he's got a job for us to do. So in our time of adversity, like Joseph, the question for you and me is in times of adversity, are we paying attention? Let's have a word of prayer as we close our time together. So God, we are grateful that you give us your word to guide us. And we're grateful that you speak to us uh, from, from these uh, from these words that rehearse your guiding hand in, in millennia past, and, and yet it speaks to us here today. We pray that you'd cause us to know your presence among us, to look for your reversals that you desire to work, that would pay attention and do what is right, and as we do, we know that your blessing will be upon us. And so uh, we ask now that as we depart from here, that your blessing would go with us, that your peace would rest upon our hearts, and that your grace and mercy would go with us as we seek to humbly serve you and, and pay attention to what you desire to do in our lives. Go with us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.